Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. All right, in this session, we're looking at John chapter 6, and this is a rather lengthy chapter, but some of the richest uh, sayings of Christ are found in this chapter. Uh, so we don't want to hurry it. We want to take our time with it uh, for uh, it to uh, really be a blessing to us. So let's begin at verse 1. The Bible says, after these things, that's probably referring to what occurred in chapter 5, um, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. So we see there that the Sea of Galilee and the Sea of Tiberias are one and the same. <clears throat> and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples and the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh, or was near. So here, uh, a lot of people are following him. It says a great multitude, but they're not following him for the right reason. They're not following him because they're putting their faith and trust in him as their Savior. They're following, following him for what they can get out of it. Uh, they are, like many people, who want to see something sensational. And so they had seen Jesus do some miracles and they were following him so they could see him do another, um, another miracle, another trick. Uh, and of course, Jesus is well aware of this, not saying that miracles are a trick, but to them it was. It was something that was unusual and they were impressed not with Christ, but they were impressed with these miracles that he did. Now, uh, it's springtime at this, uh, at this particular time, and uh, the Passover was going on, but Jesus was not uh, evidently attending, going to attend the Passover. And uh, the reason being that uh, there were some people that wanted to kill him. And uh, if he went to Jerusalem for the Passover, uh, he would have to deal with that. And um, for that reason, he chose not to go to Jerusalem to observe the Jewish Passover. Verse 5, when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, whence shall we buy bread, that these may eat? And this he said to prove him or to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Uh, so he uh, decides to uh, test Philip's uh, faith, and um, so he says, uh, uh, where can we buy some bread? Uh, and uh, look at this multitude. How are we going to feed them? Now, of course, uh, Jesus knew what he was going to do, the Bible says here, uh, but he wanted to test and, and prove uh, Philip. Uh, to see how he would respond. Many times God sends things into our lives uh, to test our faith and see how we will respond. Uh, will we respond uh, in faith uh, in God whenever the tough times come? 
Sometimes God will allow difficult times to come in our life to see if we'll be faithful to him uh, during the tough times. It's easy to be faithful to him while, we are, while we're going through good times, but how about the tough times? Well, Philip responds in verse 7. Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient or not enough for them that every one of them may take a little. Now, the, uh, the penny worth here, uh, he says 200. Um, uh, one penny was in those days a day's wages. So you'd be talking about one man's day's wages times uh, 200. And uh, Philip says that, that might be enough. Uh, then one of his disciples, verse 8, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. What are they among so many? Now, uh, here Andrew starts out good. Uh, you see that uh, when he says, uh, uh, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two fishes, small fishes, uh, that's uh, implying that... Uh, Hey, there is some food here, and uh, we just need more of it, is, is what he is saying. Uh, I think what we see here is that uh, Andrew has a little bit of faith, but when he makes this statement, but what are they among so many, kind of throws a wet blanket on his own faith. Now, of course, Christ was, gonna, was going to use these uh, five barley loaves and two fishes to multiply them to feed all the people, but uh, Andrew did not know that, neither did Philip. But we, got, we must commend uh, Andrew here, at least, that he, he found this uh, boy that had some food. Now, we need to understand that the barley loaves and fishes were not what we might uh, think they would be today. Uh, the barley loaves were little uh, biscuits uh, type uh, bread and the fishes were probably uh, about the size of sardines. So this was not a very big lunch even for one boy. But God, you know, doesn't need a lot. The Bible says that he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Then the old song that says, little is much when God is in it. Uh, we'll see what happens here when God gets in it. But um, let's go to verse 10. And Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in that place, which tells us it was springtime, probably. Uh, Passover time would have been springtime. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. Now, men here can either refer to men specifically or to people in general. Uh, we don't know. But uh, it says there were 5,000. Now, if it's speaking of men specifically, then it would you would think there would have been wives there and children there and whatever, and that's possible. It could have been a bigger number than 5,000. So we really don't know what the answer to that is, but uh, they all are told to sit down. Now, why sit down? Well, the Lord wants them to be comfortable because he's getting ready to do something. And um, 
he not only wants them to be comfortable, but he wants to have some order to what he's going to do. Because if you're going to feed, uh, let's say it's just men, 5,000 men, that's not an easy task. Uh, His 12 disciples will have their work cut out for them. And so the first thing is that uh, he wants them to sit down. All right. Uh, Then verse 11 And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, and notice here, he sets an example for all of us, that before we ever partake of food, we ought to thank the Lord for the food. So he gave thanks. He distributed to his disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. Now, several things needs to be noticed here. First of all, he gives thanks. So that's a good example for us. Then he distributed the food to the disciples, and then the disciples would distribute the food to the people. Now, why was that? Uh, Couldn't Jesus just have piled up some bread and fish there, and they could just come and get it smorgasbord style? Uh, couldn't Jesus have simply had them all come around one by one and he would hand out the, the, no, that's, that's not what he did. What we have here is an example how that, uh, the Lord wants to use us to do his work instead of him feeding the people, literally taking and giving them the loaves and fishes. He wants the disciples to do it. Uh, he wants them to get in on the work of God because not only will they be honored by doing the work of God, but God will reward them for their, uh, their good works. And so the point is that he gives to his disciples, and uh, since we are disciples of Christ, uh, then we should also realize that he wants us to do his work for him. That's an honor for us. It's a duty that we had to perform. So just like the disciples fed these hungry people, we are to feed the hungry people, uh, not necessarily food, even though if they need food, we are to to fill, fill their bellies. But it's much more important that we fill their spirit and soul with the word of God. We're to distribute the word of God to them. See, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, and how shall they hear without a preacher? That Well, that's every believer's responsibility, is to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So we see a, uh, a parallel here uh, in this story of feeding the 5,000 in regards to the great commission of believers taking the word of God to feed the hungry masses that are hungry for the word of God so that they might uh, receive eternal life. And uh, so um, we we see that. And then uh, the Bible says here, he distributed to his disciples and the disciples to them that were set down, which made it much easier for them to get the food. And likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. Now, why does the Holy Spirit put that in as much as they would? Well, the implication is uh, they would be able to eat until they were full. You know, the, the Bible tells us that, that God is able to, 
uh, do, as I said, exceedingly abundantly uh, above all that we ask or think. When God supplies, he can supply enough and more than enough. And that's what uh, is going on here. When they were filled, when the people were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore, they gathered them up, that would be uh, the leftovers of the fish and the, and the bread. Uh, and they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above them that had eaten. Now, uh, we notice in, in this passage that they're all filled. All the people got all they wanted to eat. And uh, we also see the, uh, the importance of not wasting things. Uh, here, Jesus says to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain. So when we do God's work, we should not be wasteful. We should not waste uh, anything that has to do with God. Many times uh, I have uh, told people to shut off lights if they were uh, leaving a room. Shut off the lights. Let's don't waste electricity. Uh, close the door. You know, children many times will hold a door open um, and uh, let, uh, if it's winter time, let the warm air out. If it's summertime, let the cool air out, uh, which is a waste. And so the Lord doesn't want us to waste what he gives to us. And that's the point here. They, uh, so they gathered up the fragments that remained, that nothing be lost. It also implies that they were very uh, uh, neat uh, in what they did. After they got through feeding the people, they, they left the area neat. That's what Christians ought to do. Uh, we ought to, you know, even when we go out to eat, at a restaurant, we ought not to leave our tables a big mess. It would be a good idea for us to uh, to clean as much as we can, so that whenever the busboy or the waitress, usually they're working, uh, got more work to do than than they can handle anyway. In other words, you know, put put the salt and pepper back and everything as much as we can do. Let's leave a neat table after we have eaten. Uh, to make it easier on the waitress when she comes to set up the table for the next uh, group of people. Uh, I think that's common courtesy. We should not be wasteful uh, of God's resources because everything comes from God. And I think that is revealed here that um, they gathered everything together. Now they had 12 baskets. Some have said, some Bible scholars have said, uh, that the 12 baskets were for the 12 disciples to take home uh, to their families. Well, that could have been. We, we, we just don't know why there were 12 baskets left over other than to say God supplies enough and more than enough. And uh, now we go to verse 14. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. Now, uh, what they are referring to, remember these are all Jews, they're referring to Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 and 18, that talks about a prophet that would come in the future. Uh, and Moses was talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. He was that prophet, and they're simply saying, this is him. 
that uh, that Moses spoke of. Moses, of course, was giving a messianic prophecy there in Deuteronomy, and Jesus is the Messiah, and he had come. So that's what is being referred to in verse 14. Verse 15, when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. Now, we have to understand this, that God has a plan, and his plan for Jesus was uh, was orderly, and it was a plan that had to be timed perfectly. The Bible says in Galatians that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. Jesus came the first time right on time. By the way, he'll come the second time right on time, on God's time. So God doesn't do things haphazardly. Everything is timed, just like our whole universe. When God created the universe, everything is in sync. Even the planets uh, that uh, revolve around their suns and and so on and so forth. Everything is, is timed. Our planet Earth revolves around the sun. Uh, and it's all on a time sequence. And it shows the uh, orderly character of Almighty God. When Jesus perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king. So it tells us there that they uh, they did not understand that when Jesus come, he came to actually be a sacrifice for sin on the cross. They thought when Jesus came the first time, uh, if he was the Christ, that he would uh, be a great political leader, that he would... Uh, overthrow Rome and set up his kingdom and whatever, but uh, that was not in the plan of God. God's plan was for him to come to die for our sins. Now, he will come back one day and destroy all the enemies of God and set up his kingdom here on earth for a thousand years. The Bible tells us that, but his first coming, that was not uh, the purpose of his coming the first time. And uh, so they were wrong. Uh, and Jesus knew that uh, if he didn't get out of there, that they would, they would make him a king. And the timing was not right. Now, verse 16. And when even or evening was now come, the disciples went down unto the sea and entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was now dark and Jesus was not come to them. So here the disciples uh, go down uh, to the Sea of Galilee, and they are uh, going to get into their boat. It says a ship here, but boat. Uh, and they were going to cross over the sea. Uh, and verse 18 says, And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. Now, since uh, Christ is the creator, uh, he was not with them, by the way, at the time. Uh, he is the cause of this wind. He controls the wind. The Bible says, by him all things were uh, created, and by him all things consist. So uh, the Lord is in charge of everything that he's created. And so the sea arose, which means there begin to be uh, white caps on the sea, and, and they begin to get rough, the water did, uh, because of this great, and it's a great wind. So it must have been a strong wind that, uh, that God had sent, and there was a purpose for it. Verse 19, 
By the way, God will send great winds into our life, winds of suffering, winds of disappointment. He wants to see how we'll react to those winds. Will we trust him uh, during the tough times in life, like we trust him in the good times of life? Well, we don't know unless he sends some tough times in our lives. And so the Bible says in the sea arose, verse 19, by reason of a great wind that blew. The Lord had sent that wind. So when they had rowed about five and 20 or 30 furlongs, which is probably around five or 600 feet, they see Jesus walking on the sea. Now imagine what it must have been like. Here they saw Jesus walking on the water. Now, John doesn't mention anything about Peter getting out of the boat and walking to Jesus. Uh, another gospel will mention that, but, but uh, that's not what uh, the Holy Spirit tells John to write. He tells him to just write that Jesus was walking on the sea and drawing nigh into the ship. So here comes Jesus walking from the land on to the water, and he's walking out on the water uh, to the disciples. Well, what will be their response? And they were afraid. But he saith unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Now what we see here, of course, is the omniscience of Christ. Uh, he knows they were afraid. Uh, and uh, so he tells them to comfort them. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Now, I can understand how they were afraid. I would have been afraid too. I mean, when you see a man walking on water, uh, that is uh, unusual. And uh, so that alone shocked them. And uh, so here's Jesus, and, and he's saying, be not afraid. And by the way, we should not be afraid when we encounter uh, things that are unusual in our lives. God's in charge. God is on the throne. He watches over his own. His promises are true. He will not forsake you. God is still on the throne. So when tough times come and uh, we become afraid, we got to realize this, that we should not be afraid. Uh, you know, David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. So the Lord has promised he's with us at all times, through the good times and through the bad times. And here we see an example of that. Verse 21, then they willingly received him into the ship. In other words, their fears left and he got into the ship. And immediately the ship was at land, whether they went. <laughs> now that's interesting. Here they are out, uh, they're about probably two thirds across the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus gets into, into the ship. And when Jesus gets into the ship, boom, immediately they're at land. And you know what, what I believe that is uh, prefiguring? I believe that is prefiguring what happens when we get saved, when Jesus gets into the ship of our soul. When we receive Jesus as our Savior, the response is immediately salvation is given to us we immediately become children of God. And so just like when Christ got into the ship, they immediately came to land. I believe it pictures salvation that when we receive Christ, we are immediately saved. We don't have to be saved in uh, installments. It's an immediate thing. Verse 22. 
And I think we'll stop right there. It'd be a good place to stop. We'll uh, take a little break here, and we'll pick it up in verse 22. As I said, this is a long chapter, and we'll uh, look at uh, uh, verses uh, 22 on to the end of the chapter in our next session. You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to T-I-M-R-E-Y-1 at Hotmail.com. Or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois 62864. Thank you for listening.